0: Good evening, everyone. It's a joy to have you here in our service. Please take your Bibles again and turn with me to the book of Ruth. We want to continue from where we left off this morning. I was going to play another uh, version of a song that depicted uh, Ruth's conversion commitment. It was really beautiful, but it was a version that played on, a, do you know what a big is, or was, right, you know, <laughs> good, yeah. and it had the uh, picture of it going around slowly playing this with the, the music in the background was the big band music, you know what the big band music was, beautiful. Nice waltz. That's the first time I felt like waltzing in a long time. And I was going to bring it, but then I thought all of us older folk would start waltzing in the aisles. <laughs> so I figured I, better, I figured I better not do that. <laughs> what did you say, Shirley? Let, him, let, him let him <laughs> No, but it's really beautiful. It's because of the beautiful it's a beautiful uh, statement the book of ruth now we've called this ordinary people this is a, our message title from this book extraordinary god because that's what you're going to see and i think we've already seen it we're ordinary people being used by when i use that in a good word in a good sense mean um, Utilized by God, an extraordinary God, to accomplish great things. And gleanings from the book of Ruth It's a play on words here. Because as we get into the story, especially this evening, I think, you'll see that Ruth was involved in gleanings. And uh, that's the idea here. But you remember, uh, just for a brief review, in verse 1, it tells us, Now it came about in the days... And the judges governed that there was a famine in the land and a certain man of Bethlehem in Judah went to sojourn in the land of Moab with his wife and his two sons. And remember, they went to the land. Moab was about 50, 52 miles from Bethlehem. It's on the other side of the Dead Sea. But in order to get there, they didn't go across the Dead Sea. They went down and then over again to get to, uh, to, get to Moab. I think we should be having the, the, yes, the diagram up there. And um, you remember this story, the two sons, well, first of all, the husband died, of course. The two sons found wives, they married these pagan women, Moabites, then they died as well. As a result of, a result of that, Naomi decided to return. To Bethlehem, and she was encouraging her daughters in law to remain in Moab with her people and with their gods. At first, both of them were determined to go along with her, but um, Naomi finally prevailed and off her return. She went back home, but not Ruth. Ruth decided to go because she was convinced that. She wanted to go with her and become a part of the people, but also to become a worshiper of uh, Naomi's God. And you remember the tremendous statement she made. And Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people and thy God my God. This was a tremendous conversion statement here. And it came in spite of Naomi's attempt to get Ruth to stay. Look at verse, let's pick it up from where we left off today, this morning. Verse 8, Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go return each of you to her mother's house, and may the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. So it appears that they had a good marriage. It appears that the wives of the two boys and the boys had a good relationship here. And this was a case where the daughters-in-law and the mother-in-law got along quite well. As you have dealt with the dead and with me, may the Lord grant that you may find rest each in the house of a husband. You'll see a focus on this idea of finding rest. And this sort of pervades the whole story Because even Naomi finally comes to find rest back in Bethlehem. And it gives the idea, the undertone, the the undercurrent truth that people always seek seek, searching for rest in one form or another. And Naomi, uh, of course, did not have this rest when she was in Moab. And the daughters-in-law wanted to find rest. And we'll have the story to see that Ruth found the rest in Bethlehem, the house of bread. We'll see that as we go on. But they said to her, no, we will surely return with you and your people. But Naomi said, return, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that you may be your husbands, that they may be your husbands? Return, my daughters, for I am too old to have a husband. If I said I have hope, if I should even have a husband tonight and bear sons would you therefore wait until they were grown would you therefore refrain from marrying until that time no my daughters in other words what is being reflected here is the custom of the day and we're going to come to this in a little while because it's an important truth custom of the day was that if the son died of the husband died then if there was a brother then that brother would take that wife as her as his own to carry on the name and so what he's saying here, what she's saying here to these women, even if I were to marry again, it'll be so long. It's such a long time for you to marry the person. It doesn't make sense. Are you going to wait that long? And uh, so she is reflecting a cultural uh, practice here. And we'll see the emphasis throughout this book on these cultural things that played such an important role in this wonderful story here but notice now what happens it is harder for me than for you now uh, uh, Ruth uh, uh, rather Naomi's name, name means pleasant or enjoyable or happy or anything along that line but now we see a bitterness in her soul it's harder for me than for you now notice the reason she's saying that "...for the hand of Yahweh has gone forth against me." She's actually blaming God for for her misfortune. And perhaps it reflects her own thinking as to whether or not they should have gone to Moab in the first place. Whether she should have followed her husband to go into the land of Moab. Perhaps it reflects that. But at this point here... She's saying that God is the one who is responsible for bringing all of this misfortune upon her. God's judgment, in other words, is resting upon her. The death of a husband. The death of two boys. Being left destitute. She says, God is doing that to me. That's quite a thing. Because as you go through here, you get a mixture of Ruth's attitude. And sometimes she's very strong in her faith. You'll see it coming through. Other times she seems to be blaming God as here. Keep that in mind as we go through. Because these are the little signals you have to look for in this story. If you're going to get the picture as to God's sovereignty behind everything that is going on here. Verse 14 And they lifted up their voices and wept again and offered kiss to mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. That's another important word that Ruth clung to her. This is a daughter-in-law clinging to her mother-in-law. In the book of Genesis, we have the command to the husband to leave the family, so what? He might cleave to his wife and we having the same sort of a truth. But the relationships. But in this case, it has to do with the daughter in law and the mother in law. And you see, the reason why this is being expressed here is because God is pointing out in all of these little instances that it is this relationship that has a tremendous impact upon the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The relationship between a mother in law. And the daughter-in-law, she clung to her. She cleaved to her. She wouldn't let her go. And then we have this wonderful statement. We looked at it already, so we won't take time tonight to go over it again. Tremendous, but this is a conversion statement. This isn't a promise that a husband is making to a wife or vice versa. Now, maybe you can do that, but in the context, that's not what it's for. God is emphasizing this special relationship between a daughter-in-law and a mother-in-law because it has to do with the genealogy of Jesus Christ. Without this relationship, I'm saying this from a human perspective, there would be no Jesus. I'm saying that from a human perspective. You'll see that at the end of the book. Notice now verse 18. When she saw, that's Naomi, saw that she, that's Ruth, was determined to go with her She said no more to her. Now that doesn't mean she stopped talking to her because she was mad. It simply means that she realized that Ruth had made up her mind. She had made a choice. And this choice was final. She had made a commitment. And there was no turning back. And every time I read this passage, I remember when I first became a Christian. One of the first little songs, uh, hymns or choruses I learned to sing was I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. That's Ruth. I've made this decision. No turning back. Is your conviction to follow Christ that strong? No turning back. And people know that. They look at you. I knew what you were in the past. Are you always gonna be this Christian you say that you are now? Oh I I remember again, see this is a sign of old age. You start talking when being when you're young. When I became a Christian, I was working at the post office. And I had my section boss there. I'm not gonna call his name, but most, most of you probably would know him. And he came up to me when I was putting the letters in the post office he says Alan he said I'm going to be the devil to you I only can give you two weeks and he's to come up to me just about every 15-20 minutes in my ear and whisper all kinds of obscenities and all kinds of things two weeks You already kept saying that two weeks well of course God was faithful And I remember years after that. He was even postmaster for a while. I remember I met him in a restaurant one time. He said, Alan, you say you went longer than two weeks. See, I had decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. Young people, that's the kind of conviction, the decision you need when you say that you have accepted Christ or you're a Christian. Nothing. Nothing should be able to turn you back. From following Jesus Christ. That's Ruth now. I've decided to follow you. To become a follower of this God of yours. And there's no turning back. Verse 19. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. Again that's another. A lot of little words that are used in here. If you know other scriptures. They both went. As another indication of Closeness. You remember when Abraham took his son up the hill to worship where he was supposed to offer him? They both went. It's a sense of closeness, it's a cl- sense of oneness, of relationship. And that's what you see here with Ruth and Naomi. So they both went until they came to Bethlehem. And when they had come to Bethlehem, all the city was stirred because of them. And the women, I like this emphasis on women. Eh? They say nothing with the men here. They say the whole city, but then they say the women. The women said, is this Naomi? See, now this is a, st- this is a question of un- unbelief, as it were. Is this the same Naomi that left here more than 10 years ago? Is this the same one? Is this the pleasant one? The idea, she doesn't look like it now. Her appearance had changed. Her demeanor had changed. She felt the hand of God's judgment upon her. Is this the same woman? Notice what she says. She said to them. Don't call me the pleasant one. Don't call me the happy one. Don't call me the joyful one. Call me. Bitter. Remember one of her sons was a bitter one. He was the pining one now. Naomi. Naomi. Call me bitter. Why? For El Shaddai. That's the Hebrew word for almighty here. El Shaddai. Now normally when we talk about El Shaddai, we do it in praise, don't we? The almighty one, the powerful one, the sovereign one. But now she's using it in a negative way. This powerful God has put his hand of judgment upon me. He has dealt very bitterly with me. Isn't that something to charge God with? Have you ever come to that point in your life? Do you know there's a lot of people in our community right now with that attitude because of the economic situation and problem? God has dealt very bitterly with me. My job is gone. It looks like my house is going. What have I done, God? And some are bitter against God. You see, somewhere along the line, there was a closeness, there was an intimacy that was lost. This Almighty Al Shaddai God, who was looked upon as the one who blessed and protected and provided, no longer does that. Now, he treats me bitterly, with bitterness. Somewhere along the way, circumstances had driven her away from an intimacy with God. Has that happened to you? Please don't allow circumstances. To draw you away from intimacy with God, they should push you closer to Him. She goes on. The Almighty El shaddai has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full. See it's the idea here. That this is why it seems a little difficult for people to understand why her husband would take up a family. And leave because according to this, when she went out, she was what? She was full. You see, it's like me going into the house says, Nancy, back up. I'm going to Cat Island. Just like that. Now you looked at me, What? What you going to Cat Island for? Well, things a little tough here. What are you going to Cat Island for? Things tough what they too. You see, in other words, looking back now, you wonder if that was a foolish choice on the part of a husband and the family. And whether when she went, she went against her will, but she was following her husband. Because she went out full, leaving the house of bread full, happy, pleasant, but now she's back, she's all drawn and withered, and she's bitter. God has done it. Has he done it because. We did the wrong thing. We were showing a lack of faith. By leaving. I went out full with the Lord. That Yahweh has brought me back empty. Empty. Why do you call me pleasant. Since Yahweh. Yahweh. Has witnessed against me. And El Shaddai. Has afflicted me. She's using the names of God. In a different way here. Because you see. Lord. Yahweh is a covenant keeping God. It's a God who keeps his promises. His covenant. El Shaddai is the powerful one. The almighty one. Who does what he wants. So she seems to be. I I don't know whether I can trust you or not. You seem to use your power against me. It's a kind of experience that we have when we face difficulties. And we're tempted to take our eyes off the one that all along we're calling the faithful God. But just because we have a little problem, all of a sudden, he's not faithful anymore. We walked with him and all the things were clear and beautiful and there was light. But now we get into the darkness a little bit and we say, he's not with us anymore. That's Ruth, or rather, that's Naomi. So, verse 22 Naomi returned, and with her, Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter in law, who returned from the land of Moab. And you'll see that repetition going again and again. Ruth, the Moabitess from the land of Moab, the author, the divine and human author is focusing on this woman. She's not a Jew. She's not one of the people of God. She's a gentile. She's a pagan. She doesn't belong with it. That's the idea. She is someone who is different. That's the focus. And you see, We're going to see a wonderful way the divine and the human author combine to bring truths here. The author, the divine author, he makes a statement. But then the divine author makes a statement. Perhaps the human author doesn't realize it, but it's being made anyway. You see the hand of God in these circumstances that look so human. They came to Bethlehem, notice this now, at the beginning of the barley harvest, just at the right time. You're going to see God's sovereignty, God's, at the barley harvest, the time of harvest, March, April, just at the right time, when the harvest was taking place. God knows how to direct his people. God knows how to... He knows when to provide for his people. At the beginning of the... Just at the right time. Now notice verse 1 of chapter 2. This is beautiful. Now Naomi had a kinsman. This word is important in this book. It means a close relative who's able to redeem... We're going to talk more about this later on. The Goel. Kinsman redeemer. Now, it has nothing to do with spiritual salvation. But it has to do with helping out a relative in the time of dire need. And so the divine author brings this in. Naomi had... A relative who's able to redeem in times of problem. That's the main meaning here. Naomi had a kinsman of a husband. A man of great wealth. That was necessary. To redeem, you have to have something to redeem with. To redeem means to purchase. To pay a price for. You can't pay a price if you don't have anything. This man was rich. He had a great wealth of the family of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. Now we have the entrance of the head fella. Boaz means a man of strength, a man of power. That's what it means. Man of strength, a man of power. So we introduce now to the head guy, the head fella. We've been introduced already To the head girl, the head woman, Ruth. Naomi is a supporting actress. So we have most of the major characters in play now. And Ruth, the Moabitess, you know how many times are they going to say this? Said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of green after one in whose sight I may find favor now we have a strange thing here after this point it was Naomi who was taking the initiative now the head girl takes over she starts to do the leading She starts to make the move. Now, why did they introduce Boaz here? He's not on the scene yet. Who is Boaz? You see, now we're getting to understand why this book here, the book of Ruth, is in the Bible. Let me give you, I'm coming back to it, but turn over to Matthew chapter 1. We just mentioned this here and we'll come back to it because it's so exciting here the way the author has this arranged in his little book. Matthew chapter 1, verse 6. Jesse. Now let me go back to verse 5. Solomon was the father of Boaz by Rahab. Boaz was the father of Obed by Ruth. And Obed, the father of Jesse. Jesse was the father of David, the king. Now you see what's happening here. Who's this Boaz? Why is he mentioned? Because of his relationship. To Jesus Christ. Because of his relationship to David. Notice who's involved in this. Rahab. Rahab was from the city of Jericho. And she had become a believer in the God of Israel. You remember when Israel, the people of Israel, was coming towards the city, she opened her doors to the spies. She hid them. You remember that? And she said, When she was asked why she did it, she says, I've heard about this God. How powerful, how great he is. And she placed her faith. Now here's Rahab, a harlot. Now we've been introduced to a relative. Rahab is an example of a wonderful conversion. So is Ruth. So is Ruth. And God is bringing them together. To show how he. Can save. The people. That we want nothing to do with. Rahab was a harlot. Ruth was a pagan. Moabitess. But God saved them. God doesn't only save the nice people you know. He doesn't only really save those who dress like us and look like us and smell like us. He saves the ones we want nothing to do with. And perhaps the reason why we don't lead, don't talk to more people about Christ is because we don't know any sinners. Because we do too holy to get next to them people. What the divine author of Ruth is saying, uh -uh. God has people from every ethnic background, every economic background, every religious background. You're going to see how powerful that is in a moment. Let's go on now. Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of green, of grain, after one in whose sight I might find favor. You see that phrase? In whose sight I might find favor. That's the Hebrew word for grace. That I might find grace grace. She knew she was in a position. She needed help. She didn't deserve anything. So she had to look for somebody who would give her grace. That's true of you and me, you know. We didn't deserve what God has given us. Nothing. We don't deserve to be his children. It says, we found favor in the sight of God. The same way Noah did. And now here is this woman. Apart from the people of God. Looking for someone. To give her grace. The beautiful picture. And then Naomi said to her, go my daughter. So she departed and went And gleaned in the field of the reapers. Now you need a little background of this. There was a law that God had made with his people. Way back in Leviticus. Chapter 19 verse 10. It says this. This is God's law for caring for the poor. See sometimes you look at the law and you say man the law is so tough so rough there's no grace in law. That's not true. Within the law of God. God cared for the poor. This is what it says. Leviticus 19 verse 10. Do not go over your vineyard a second time. To pick up the grapes that have fallen. Leave them for the poor. And notice this. And the alien. He speaks volumes today. I am the Lord your God. The idea I care for everyone. And you are responsible for caring for those who cannot care for themselves. So it appears that Naomi explained to Ruth the law. In other words, we have here an example of a woman who was always talking about her God, even though she's having a rough time. She explained. About this law. And so Ruth said. Okay if there's a law like that. Man let me go out. So I could get some food for us. Someone might give us grace. Now here's one of the most amazing statements made in scripture. Notice what it says. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. You see what I word here? Yeah? She happened. This by accident. This by perchance haphazardly. My foot. That's the human author. She happened. That's not a divine author. This was ordained. This was planned by God. This is one of those beautiful examples where we see the divine and the human authors coming together. The human author writing this. But you know what the divine author was thinking? You remember in Acts chapter 2? Talking about the crucifixion of Jesus? Uh, look, let me read it. Acts chapter 2. I just want you to see something beautifully about scriptures and how we must be careful to see how the Holy Spirit is and even to see Jesus in the scriptures. Acts chapter 2. This is Peter's sermon, the first sermon he preached. Verse 22 for connection. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man, attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs... Which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Did you see that? That's the divine author moving the human author to reveal what God did within the councils of the Godhead. You nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. That's the human author. That's all they could see. But from the divine author's point of view, this was the plan of God. And man was carrying out the plan of God. Human and divine working together to accomplish the plan. That's what's happening here. She happened to come. On his field. No, 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 no. God had planned that she would come to Bethlehem at the beginning of the harvest so she could go to the field of Boaz. God's sovereign hand is behind it all. God's providence. There's no accidents. When it comes to God and the people of God. She happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz. Who was of the family of Elimelech. What? This was no accident. This was the fulfillment of a plan set in motion by God long, long ago before it happened. We must understand this beloved. God works everything out according to His plan and purpose for our lives. Watch out! We say that was a mistake. That's just a chance accident. I just happened to meet him and was able to lead him to Christ. You know, no, 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 no! That's how God planned it. Now, behold, I like this. You, you got to reach. I hope you all take time over scripture. Now, now behold, some of you will just go over that. Hey, now behold, Mm-mm. what is this with divine author saying? Listen to this carefully. It just happen that Ruth goes to the field of Boaz, a kinsman redeemer of Naomi if it's one thing that Naomi needed was a kinsman redeemer if it's one thing she needed was somebody who's able to save her and here's Ruth going to look for someone who would offer her grace where did she go to the field of Boaz kinsman redeemer accident no now, behold, listen to, look at this now. Isn't this something? This was the other saying. Now, behold, look at this. What? Boaz came. <laughs> when? At that very moment. Isn't that something? That's what the other says. Now, oh, now listen, she goes to the field, and right at that time, right at that moment, isn't that amazing? This rich man, this businessman, going all over the place, he just happens to come back to his field when Ruth the Moabitess came to it. accident my foot. Behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem right at that moment and said to the reapers, May Yahweh be with you. And they said to him, May Yahweh bless you. This shows the character of this man. He had good relationships with employees. You're talking about management and, and, and labor. This is a good example of them working great. But the man had a good relationship with his people. There was a good relationship. Great management and labor relationship here. Shows the character of Boaz. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers. Whose young woman is this? Now boy, sometimes you wish you could. That's not really what it said. When Boaz Boaz looked at Ruth, he said, Wow! Who is this young chick? (laughs) Love at first sight. Love at first sight. Who is this young chick? Notice, it says young woman. Notice that who she belonged to. Right? <laughs> What's the idea? I wonder if she married. See? has oh, already got his eyes on her. This man's 60 to 70 years old now, you know. That's true. <laughs> wow! The servant in charge of the reapers replied, she's the young, notice that, Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, this is the, 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 the employee talking now, this is what Ruth said to him, please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. You got to know the background. In other words, this woman came and she was working all day. Shame be running after the men. Because that used to happen in the field. You're going to see that as you go through. Boys was concerned for that. You can see at the moment. He was giving a good report of this woman. She was holding herself right. She was behaving like a lady. Then Boaz said to Ruth, listen carefully, my daughter. She's a little older. In fact, one version says, my dear, I like that one better. Listen carefully, my dear, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field further. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go from this one. But stay here with my maids. I don't want you to get out of my sight. You got to see what's going on here, man. This man is hot after this woman. <laughs> Notice this day, verse 9. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap. And go after them. And my eyes can be on you. <laughs> Indeed, I have com- Manded the servants not to touch you. Uh-uh. The only person can touch you is me. Nobody's going to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. Listen, no one's going to touch you. You mind. I'm going to take care of you. That's the message he's sending. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, Notice this beautiful phrase. Why have I found favor, why have I found grace in your sight? Beautiful picture of redemption, and of us finding grace in the sight of God. Now if we had time, we'd go to Ephesians 2 and Ephesians 3, and we'd see that once we were not the people of God, we were separated. We couldn't call God our God. We couldn't call the people of God our people. We were separated. But then we found grace in the sight of God. And he broke down all of the partition between us. And he's made us one in Christ. That's grace. That whole passage goes on in Ephesians. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves is the gift of God. This is what Naomi now is experiencing here. And demonstrating for us now. She's found grace from home. The kinsman redeemer. Beautiful picture of Jesus Christ. We're going to see that. There are certain things that were qualified, that qualified a person to be kinsman redeemer, to be able to redeem. We're going to see that as we go into chapter 4. But Boaz fitted that. And now he is extending grace toward this one who was outside, originally, the people of God. Now notice, Why have I found favor in your sight that you should take notice of me since I'm a foreigner? All of us were foreigners to God. You know that, didn't you? All of us were. Beautiful picture. Boaz replied to her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. Now you think somebody just came up and told him that? This man being asking questions? This man being asking questions. I've been fully reporting to me in how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to people that you did not previously know. May Yahweh reward your work and your wages be full from Yahweh, the God of Israel. The God, word God here is Elohim. It's a wonderful way that these different terms are used through the scriptures. May Yahweh reward your work and your wages be full from Yahweh Elohim of Israel. Under beautiful now, beautiful, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Oh, listen, we could spend a whole day talking about this. Under whose wings you have come to find Refuge. Throughout Scripture, especially in the book of Isaiah, God is seen as one who puts us under his wings, who folds us to his breast. The way a mother chick would fold their, ch- a, 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 a mother hen rather, would fold their little chicks under her wings for protection and draw them tight so they could feel the warmth and the heartbeat of someone who cares for them. That's, that's this, what we see here. That's where every believer is, under the shadow, under the wings of El Shaddai, the mighty God, the one who loves us and cares for us. Beautiful here. Under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Just one passage in Psalm. I hope this is the right one. Psalm 91. It's beautiful here. I will read from verse 2 for connection. No, I read from verse 1. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High... Will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, My refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For it is He who delivers you from the snare of the trapper and from the deadly pestilence. Listen now. He will cover you with His pinions, and under His wings you may take refuge. His faithfulness faithfulness is a shield and bulwark. Under His wings. You will see, that's exactly what Ruth is demonstrating for us. Isn't that beautiful? See, this book tells us a lot, not just about this wonderful love story, and it is wonderful. Makes you feel young again. But it tells us about the providence and the sovereignty of God. It tells us about the fact that God cares for us and he protects us. Even when there's times of trouble, God is still there to fold us under his wings. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me. That's what they were looking for. Peace. Peace. And comfort, and now she has found it. You have comforted me, and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. A people who are far off, who are not a people of God now because of the grace of God we are at the people of God we have been brought into his household we have been made one no more a foreigner no more an alien but a part of the family of God why because we have found grace in the sight of our redeemer our kinsman redeemer and Ruth is a beautiful example of that God takes these natural events and circumstances to portray his great love for us isn't that wonderful his great plan for us I I gotta stop you I was hoping to finish the book tonight you believe that but we'll have to leave this because I'll be on vacation next week so when I come back we'll pick it up but listen, rejoice in this book. I encourage you to read it over and over. I do this now. I go over and over. Before I go to bed and night. I read it. When I get up, I read it. And every time I read it, I write more. I see more. Beautiful illustrations of the power of God, the sovereignty of God, the grace of God, the protection of God. God is a good God. Let's stand for prayer. Take a few moments and just reflect on God's grace towards you as an individual, your family. And just thank him for being your kinsman redeemer. And the fact that you found grace in his sight. you're here tonight and you've never placed your faith in Christ oh please we implore you we lovingly beseech you place your faith in him your kinsman redeemer the one who died for you the one who is able to redeem you and the one who did he extends his grace toward you don't turn him away father thank you for your great love and your awesome wisdom that has planned this wonderful redemption for us and has brought it to fruition in the person of Jesus Christ, our kinsman redeemer. Thank you that we have found grace in your sight. And all of God's people said, Amen.